Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. It's been said, in fact I'm saying it now, that movies are like jazz drum solos. You forgive a lot of noodling and meandering so long as they end well. There's nothing as disheartening as realising halfway through a film that, after an enthusiastic beginning, nobody has a clue how to finish the thing. The exception to the rule, though it's the exception to just about every movie rule, was the classic Casablanca. They were already shooting with no ending in sight until the Epstein brothers had an inspiration. Major Strasser has been shot. Round up the usual suspects. In fact, Casablanca was to add two more endings before it was done, making it one of the best-ended films of all time and therefore a fan favourite ever since. It doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Someday you'll understand that. Now, now. He's looking at you, kid. It's the ending that often makes the difference, that makes all that's gone before seem to be leading up to this moment. One reason good endings are hard to find this year is the current crop of Hollywood blockbusters are so big and busy and complicated that they defy giving it any sort of conclusion apart from blowing everything up at the end. There's a reason why the best films this year have tended to be smaller, more personal and, frankly, often French. They're made by someone interested in telling us a story now rather than assembling a lot of favourite elements and stars, hoping something will come out of it. Our expense. Mm-hmm. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Well, you probably guessed that the reason I'm a little disgruntled this week is I've been let down too often by bad endings. The highly publicised Don't Worry Darling has been used as a club to beat pop star-turned-actor Harry Styles, but he's not what's wrong with the film. I was here when you got here? Yeah. You sleep in the bedroom. He's certainly not the reason for the mass head-scratching at the end. A movie that wastes a spectacularly good cast is the comedy thriller Amsterdam, a film that doesn't so much finish as peter out. I'd like you to sing it now, then I'll know it's you. Did you ever see a dream? Dream. Walking walking like I did. Did you ever hear a dream? Talking like I did. Oh, no, that's not it. But first, Amazon Prime offers the ultimate Liam Neeson geriatric thriller memory. And no, it's not really a compliment. 
Northern Ireland's Liam Neeson was a serious actor, famously a very serious actor, until 2008. He played Oscar Schindler, Rob Roy, Michael Collins, Jean Valjean, and looked like he'd keep playing those parts forever. But then along came Taken, and he found himself typecast, playing a string of ageing hitmen with a very particular set of skills and a grudge. If I'm dead, you'll never know the truth. Stand down! I want to believe that you're a good man, Vincent. If I can't finish this, you have to. You'd think there'd be a limit to the number of such stories, particularly starring someone nudging 70 now, but it seems not. The hook of a Neeson thriller is usually that he's on the verge of retirement when something drags him back. A family member is kidnapped or killed. In the case of memory, it's the promise of one last payday. Happy retirement, Maury. Alex! But the gimmick of memory, as the title suggests, is that Alex isn't just an ageing hitman, he's actually suffering from early-onset dementia. Not that it seems to stop him doing his job. He just drops his medication a lot. I'm the bad man. have been for a long time. That's three people likely killed with the same weapon. What's that? Found him on the floor. Your shooter's losing his mind. Memory is directed by Kiwi director Martin Campbell, no stranger to movie hitmen. Campbell famously rebooted the ailing James Bond franchise not just once, but twice. He launched Pierce Brosnan in Goldeneye and later Casino Royale, Daniel Craig's debut in the role. He's clearly got his own version of a licence to kill. But they have to be punished. Which side of this do you really want to be on? I want justice. In memory, while Liam Neeson's Alex is trying to wind up his hit list in Mexico, over the border, an undercover cop called Vincent, Guy Pierce, is attempting to round up a child trafficking ring. There's one witness left, a 13-year-old girl. Guess who's been hired by the bad guys to bump her off? The retainer for your services is $10 million. No. I say bad guys, but in fact the leader of the baddies is a slumming Monica Bellucci. Hey, a girl's got to eat. But she hadn't reckoned with the hitman's code, or at least this hitman's code. Kids are off limits. Call the contract off. I don't hurt children, ever. Listen to me very carefully. The girl stays alive. You're answerable to me. But in the market-driven economy of bumping people off, if one hitman lets you down, you can always find another. When Alex watches the TV news, he has a senior moment. Did he have a quiet night in, or did he change his mind and kill the kid after all? A 13-year-old been relocated to a group home. Was I here last night? Yes. What's wrong? You're sure? When he realises it was someone else, he's infuriated. Well, more infuriated than usual, and determined to hunt down the culprits. Meanwhile, Vincent and his FBI crew are getting nowhere with their own investigation until a mysterious chap with a Northern Irish accent rings them up, telling them to hurry up. Trafficking, Vincent Sierra. I can't keep doing your job for you. Who is this? You're too slow to make the bay. 
what they did to children. They're not doing anything about it. He's taking out the traffickers that we couldn't. So now there's a race against time between the FBI, Alex, and Alex's galloping Alzheimer's. Added to the mix are corrupt cops getting in FBI Vincent's way and rival hitmen getting in hitman Alex's way. Memory is actually based on a hit Belgian thriller, and clearly the Belgians like their thrillers brutal and uncomplicated. He's interfering with an international investigation. You said he wasn't going to be a problem. I've done crazy things. Why don't you and I just have a talk? I know you're not well. No time for that. Any subtleties of character have been sanded off. Imagine a geriatric John Wicks movie. And once the story, or whatever it is, gets going, it keeps going until journey's end. So not remotely subtle, but not particularly well-crafted either. Once they run out of bad guys, that's the end. And ironically or not, ten minutes after you've seen Memory, you'll have pretty much forgotten it too. We all have to die. What's important is what you do before you go. Don't Worry Darling arrived in a hail of publicity, much of it unflattering. The original star was bumped in favour of the less experienced Harry Styles. Styles is actually a singer rather than an actor, and he was up against some pretty daunting competition. Florence Pugh, Chris Pine, Gemma Chan and Olivia Wilde, who also directed the film. I'm so sorry I forgot to tell you, but you're not feeling very well. And the only way to cure it is if we stay home all day and I tend to you and kiss you and cook for... Bye. But Harry is not bad as the loving husband in a 50s-style fantasy world called The Victory Project. Jack and his wife Alice, Florence Pugh, live the sort of life that probably only existed in old American sitcoms. Hubby goes to work in the morning, wifey does the housework and cooks the roast. And at the end of the day, hi honey, I'm home, and cocktails all round. Victory has things money can't buy. Mm-hmm. I live next door, you wouldn't believe the things I've heard. Jack and Alice only have time for each other. The entire neighbourhood is full of couples like Alice and Jack. The set design is very Edward Scissorhands meets the Stepford Wives. In fact, the whole film is a series of callbacks to other well-known movies from the title, Don't Worry Darling, sounds like an old Doris Day, Rock Hudson rom-com, to the what's really going on paranoia of The Matrix, The Truman Show, even The Handmaid's Tale. Welcome to The Victory Project. We're all here because we believe in the mission. What are we doing? Changing Changing the world. world. What are we doing? Changing Changing the the world. world. That's right. The Victory Project is run by a charismatic doctor called Frank, Chris Pine, who regularly reminds everyone they're living their best lives in the best of all possible worlds. But there's one proviso. Don't leave the district. And above all, stay away from the Victory Project's HQ out in the desert. What do you think they're really doing out there what do you mean the one thing they ask of us is to stay here where it's safe
And sooner or later you know that a feisty wife like Alice, Florence Pugh is the real star of Don't Worry Darling, isn't going to be pushed around by anyone, no matter how well-meaning they say they are. She starts to push back and lives to regret it. Do you even know what the Victory Project actually is? Have you ever asked? Do you? Please. What's actually happening? Stop it, Alice. What if this place is dangerous? What if Stop it! Right from the start, we're left in no doubt that something's dangerously off about the whole Victory Project. So many elements don't make sense, and I'm not just talking about Harry Styles' flat English accent in such a Californian setting. It's a sort of brave new world summed up in the phrase, Make America Great Again. The smarmy Frank sounds suspiciously familiar at times, too. What is the enemy of progress? Chaos. Yeah. Nasty word. Chaos. This is one of those stories very popular in the 50s TV series The Twilight Zone, giving real life a what-if twist. Of course, it was easy for those shows. They could wrap them up in a mere 20 minutes or so. Don't Worry Darling has to sustain interest and credibility for over two hours, which proves beyond its reach. We are not going backwards. We're pushing forward. Everyone is acting like I'm crazy. And I'm not crazy. As I say, this is no reflection on the actors. Florence Pugh once again reminds you how good she is and makes you wish she had better luck with the scripts they hand her. But a Twilight Zone film depends on its twist ending. And this is so obviously a Twilight Zone movie that when the twist ending belatedly turns up, it elicits a finally rather than the desired OMG. Our life together. We could lose this. And the problem with a two-hour Twilight Zone movie, certainly with this one, is one holy mackerel twist isn't enough. There has to be another. And then another. Remember all those Matrix sequels? Like that. And I don't want to be here anymore. When Don't Worry Darling hit the circuit, first at the Venice Film Festival and then on every talk show on television, the attention soon deteriorated from director Olivia Wilde's long-awaited follow-up to Booksmart. It became, did Harry Styles really spit at Chris Pine? Why are Olivia Wilde and Florence Pugh not talking? And who does Harry Styles think he is anyway? An actor? I gave you all of this, Alice! I'd like to think that if the film had been better, none of this would have arisen, but I wonder. Maybe it's a case of life copying art. After all, this is a story of the shallow dreams of people who consume conspiracy theories, popular culture and social media. From Don't Rock the Boat to Spitgate going viral may not be that big a jump. I've been waiting for someone like you, someone to challenge me. Like a good girl. Tick. 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 
Who doesn't love a star-studded comedy romp based on real-life events? I'm certainly not putting my hand up, and several months of publicity for a film called Amsterdam certainly piqued my interest. It's written and directed by David O. Russell, which was fine by me. I certainly enjoyed Silver Linings Playbook and, to a slightly lesser degree, American Hustle. Harold, I don't know what you think you're doing. Excuse me. Hello. Get a dead white man in a box. But both those films were co-written by someone else. Amsterdam is all Russell's own work, and it shows. The opening credit reads, A lot of this happened, which is true if you're easygoing about the phrase, a lot. Certainly there were doctors like Dr Bert Berenson, played by Christian Bale, patching up fellow vets in New York in the years after the First World War. He was wounded himself, hence the glass eye. Not even a casket. Doesn't even have a top on it in a pine box of old wood. Who do you think's gonna get in trouble here? Do me a favor, try to be optimistic. His wartime buddy, a black lawyer called Harold Workman, summons Bert to do an autopsy on their beloved former commanding officer. General Meekin's daughter suspects foul play. The fact that Liz Meekins is played by pop superstar Taylor Swift and is shortly afterwards murdered gives some idea of how profligate Amsterdam is going to be with its cast. All right, you have to do the autopsy and immediately after meet me at Minter's restaurant. I need to know what you find. Why did she say two hours? Because we're in the mortician. They're going to put him in the ground. Minter's restaurant, after five. Harold Workman, incidentally, is played by John David Washington, Denzel's boy, who keeps promising stardom but not actually making it. He's fine in this, just not particularly exciting. Anyway, Harold and Bert flee the murder scene suspiciously, and Bert takes time out to flash back to the war. You don't get here without things starting a long time ago. So, two soldiers and the nurse found ourselves in Amsterdam. There were three musketeers, Bert, Harold and Valerie, played by Margot Robbie. I know you can't complain about the cast, can you? And you haven't seen anything yet. We formed a pact and we swore to protect each other, no matter what. That's the rich. We find ourselves in a situation where we're accused of killing someone, which is not true. Having negotiated scenes with comedian Chris Rock, who steals every scene he's in, and a dazzling support cast that includes Bond villain Rami Malek, Last Night in Soho's Anya Taylor-Joy, Zoe Saldana and Mike Myers, of all people, it's time to bring out the big guns. Love is funny. We need someone to help us to find the truth. My friend was killed because of something monstrous that he had seen. It's Robert De Niro, of course, and while the character General Dellenbeck is fictitious, he's based on the real-life General Smedley Butler, a revered, highly decorated hero. He was in the sights of a shady group of millionaire businessmen who wanted to depose President Franklin D. Roosevelt and replace him with a military strongman. These are dangerous times. You be careful. I'm about to do something that could cost me my life. The cuckoo is in the nest and the cuckoo is about to be trapped. Cuckoo. 
Shockingly, this is the true bit of the story. Ultra-right-wing businessmen inspired by what was going on in 1930s Germany and Italy. It was halted, if not by the unlikely trio played by Christian Bale, John David Washington and Margot Robbie. This is all turning out to be a lot larger than any of us. You're going to have to take my lead getting out of this. I had to stab a guy. I had to hit a lady with a brick one time. What? But to combine a real-life thriller with a sort of Coen Brothers Wes Anderson romp featuring eccentric characters all played by familiar faces calls for more structural discipline than writer-director David O. Russell can muster. Amsterdam may not make a lot of sense, but the performances are often far better than it deserves. Ewan Woodman fled the scene. The killer pointed at us. We didn't do anything. Why would you possibly think that was us? Well, there's not too many people that fit the description of a doctor looking for his eye on the ground with his black attorney. Columbia Law School. Margot Robbie, Robert De Niro, Christian Bale. You'll never catch any of these actors phoning it in. And as always, they're very appealing in Amsterdam. It's also not afraid to touch on some pretty shameful history, like how black GIs had to wear French uniforms in the war so as not to offend white America, and how many secret fascists there were in American boardrooms at the time. There's an organisation who want to rule the world. Rule the world. We need you good people to help us out. It's the only hope that we have to get out of this situation. Well, that's a lot to pack into one comedy thriller, and unsurprisingly, Amsterdam fails to make a convincing whole out of a grab bag of ingredients. It remains 20 or so characters in search of a coherent story. And the fault, to paraphrase Shakespeare, is not in David O. Russell's stars, but in himself. It's for her own good. Ever say that to me again. I can't handle it. I'll, I'll put, put you in a hospital. I'll send you to a witch child. child. Ladies, stop. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I had to raise my voice. The ending in particular is a mess. It's so anxious to distribute happy endings to the deserving and punishment to the undeserving that it starts to feel as if our heroes have actually brought about world peace. It seems unsporting to point out that World War II will break out in just five years' time. This is one of the finest innovations from Zurich. It removes all pain. Guys like me, we have to turn to booze, the morphine, and that can lead to addiction. Oh, that's fast. Mm -hmm. That's advanced. I know fiction is often a comfort when real life keeps letting us down, but it does have to be good fiction. Just summoning the most famous people in your address book and promising them something will turn up isn't quite the same thing. Rounding up the usual suspects doesn't always work, but it does bring this show to a close. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.